Hi, everyone. You are in the game, a podcast about sports and business and everything in between sports and business. This is Vladimir Bosanets reporting today from the Emerald City of the Pacific Northwest, Seattle, Washington. And hi, everyone. This is Anand Punjabi coming in from the big smoke, London, England in the United Kingdom. On today's podcast, we head on over to the Masters, which just recently concluded. And we're going to talk about the, the latest winner, Hideki Matsuyama. Then we'll jump on to the card business and look at what Topps has been up to recently. The company, which is owned by former Disney CEO Michael Eisner, is looking to go public through a SPAC, like everything else. And then we'll head over to the NCAA, because why not, Anand? It's another week, so another reason to bash on the NCAA and some of the crazy decisions they've made about their um, sports and tournaments. There seem to be quite a few of these uh, popping up of late. There seem to be quite a few, Yeah. And then finally, if you thought that was it, no, it's not. We're going to touch on the analytics that one recent soccer transaction used to help a player secure a better contract. So, Anand, the game is starting. Are you ready to jump in? Let's uh, tee it up and let's play. Hey, everyone. It's Anand from the In The Game podcast. First of all, on behalf of Vlad and the team, thank you for taking the time to listen each week. We know your time is valuable and we're grateful that you choose to spend some of it with us. We really hope you find it worthwhile. We'll continue to do our best to provide you with compelling stories and disruptive analysis from the world of sports business. Now we'd like to ask you a favor. If you like the show, please share a link with your friends, colleagues, and fellow sports lovers. Tell them that they need to get in the game too. And of course, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate your five-star rating and review. From your podcast app, just tap on the In The Game cover art, scroll down, and tap on Write A Review. Believe it or not, this little gesture really helps. Thank you all so much, and now it's time to get back in the game. Vlad, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. A bunch of uh, sports tournaments kind of concluded over the last couple of weeks, right? Uh, it's, been busy, yeah. it's been as busy as spring so far. Final Four. There's some pretty Final good four. games. Uh, which was that incredible game? Was it Baylor-UCLA? Baylor-UCLA. The guy, the guy who hit that jumper at the uh, No, at the no, Gonzaga. Gonzaga-UCLA. It was Gonzaga-UCLA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonzaga right. won. Uh, and then Gonzaga, which was undefeated until the final game, yeah. lost in the final match, So, yeah. which is sort of interesting. I was, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I said, uh, you don't want to be going into the final game without losing one game in the whole season. Yeah, <laughs> just too much pressure there. Well, I think you want to feel that burn of the, of the yeah. loss a little bit in your, in your back as well. Keeps you motivated. There so can't be many teams, kind of right, who've gone through the entire season undefeated and won, and won the uh, championship. Small handful, one or two. The only so far has been uh, University of Indiana, uh, and I believe it was in 79. They okay. went 31 okay. and 0, if I'm not mistaken. That was the only time. So, yeah. What about UNLV in the early 90s? Did they win the championship game? They won the championship, right? They did win. I believe they won in 89, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. We actually played them the following year, and they went to the final again. Uh, they lost to Duke in that final. Right, they lost to Duke. That's right. Yeah, but, uh, but I, I don't think they were undefeated. Uh, okay. I think they came in with at least a couple of losses. So right. that was a great team. So we had another tournament that yes. uh, ended ended on the weekend. Uh, my favorite sport, golf. We had the 2021 Masters tournament, uh, which concluded on Sunday. 
Yes. And anything happen? Any any drama? Well, uh, it maybe wasn't the most thrilling finish. Uh, the winner, the ultimate winner, he had a big lead going into the back nine, but then the back nine is the back nine at the Masters. Pressure does get to you, especially if you've never won. And uh, I think at one point he had a seven-shot lead, which ultimately ended up being won. So there was a little bit of drama there. Yeah. Uh, but the winner was... Uh, was a gentleman by the name of Hideki Matsuyama. Okay. Ever heard of him? I have not. No, nope, not, not until <laughs> But not I'm not until a right connoisseur now. of Japanese golf either, so... <laughs> well, you're, I guess you're going to hear a little bit more about him now. Yeah, I know. My, my other question, Vlad, is when you think of high-earning athletes, uh, who are, the, who are the, you know, the half a billion dollar athletes that we can think of? Or maybe the billion-dollar athletes. Well, certainly, I would argue in any some. Sport. Yeah, any sport. I mean, certainly yeah. basketball, soccer, kind of come to mind. Football. Yeah. Uh, although I don't know that anybody in football has made like a billion dollars. I haven't, I haven't seen that because their career is relatively short. Formula One. So give me, give me some names. Give me some names. Well, I mean, you know, Michael Jordan, obviously, right? I'm sure LeBron James is right up there in tennis. I'm sure Federer and you know Nadal probably top the list. Yeah, certainly Federer. He'll be up there. And Tiger yeah, Woods probably, right? Tiger Woods, yeah. right? Tiger Woods with his fantastic Although brand. he probably had to give half away, half of that away. But Yes, right. So so, so, right. so ex-Mrs. Woods is up there. That's well. right. Yeah. That's right. But there aren't that many. That's that's the point, that's right? That's a thing. Small number in that super elite elite uh, echelon. So I'm sure you would you would laugh in my face if I told you that some some people think that Hideki Matsuyama, who you've heard for heard about for the first time today, <laughs> is is being talked about in those terms. We're talking let's, about let's get into that. Someone I'm, who I'm could anxious be, to hear could, more could yeah. be earning six hundred plus, six hundred million plus. So Hideki, wow. he he won the Masters tournament by one stroke, one yep. one stroke over Will Zalatoris, a young player that I don't think anyone anyone's really heard of. But the real big deal is that he made golfing history. He became the first Japanese player ever to win a golf major tournament. Okay. Now we know that Japan is is really, you know, a golf crazy country. Golf, you know, is probably the number one sport uh to participate in and probably even watch. You know, baseball maybe a close second. But in terms of popularity, you know, do you know there are more golf courses in Japan than anywhere else in all of Asia. All That's of Asia. Insane. We're talking China, Indonesia, yeah. Thailand. Right. And not only that, they have more than half the courses. That's you incredible. Know, this skinny little island. That's mind-boggling. That, that On that island, there's more golf courses than anywhere else in Asia. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. So now yeah. if, you, if you put that together, so we know now Japan is a golf-crazy country. Right. So to, to be the very first Japanese man to win a major championship – and the Masters, no less, which you know, yep. got yep. such a cachet around this around this tournament. You know, it's it's a very significant achievement, and is undoubtedly going to prove to be incredibly lucrative for Matsuyama. You know, some yeah. some some well known sports marketing executives came out this week and said, you know, this guy is on target to earn at least six hundred million dollars. You know, over his lifetime, 
and up. So that that to me was like also super incredible. So let's yeah. let's dig into that a little bit because I'd, I'd I'd love to understand kind of you know what 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 metrics you know you know what other kind of you know comparisons do they have to come up with that estimate? Because when you think of a uh, you know golf, I mean it's so hard. I'm you know you don't know. There aren't that many people that own more than one of those green jackets. There's maybe a couple, maybe maybe three, maybe four, right? So it's not like you return year after year when you keep winning. Um, this may be it for him ever, right? In terms of uh, winning, winning, winning a major, or, that, mi- that winning might a be major. the only. That might be the only one. Well, yeah. the funny thing is, it, it it appears that you don't even necessarily have to win a major to to earn some serious numbers, well. earn some serious endorsement <laughs> money, and we'll I'm and sure. we'll, we'll, we'll we'll dig in we'll dig into that in a moment. Yeah. But okay, he already has some pretty good endorsement deals. Okay, he's got global brands. Uh, associating themselves with him. He has Lexus, okay, which granted is Japanese, along with Nomura Financial, for example, uh, and Strixon before they were bought by a U.S. company. So, yep, yep. so those are three global brands, and he's got Oakley as well. Okay, okay. So, which is also a global brand, arguably a big global brand. Now, now the consensus is now that he's won the Masters, you know, you know, every everything is on the table, right? He's he's the first, right? And only he's got the first and only tag to his name now, as far as as far as Japanese professionals yeah. go, right? And yeah. and this is coming from a wealthy country with a massive consumer spending power, right? Yep. This all translates into massive brand value um, for for Matsuyama. And the very few, the very few who've, who've got this, you know, perfect positive storm, if you like. Right. So the question with that is, Anand, does does he have that appeal throughout Asia? Is that mainly Japan? Do you think he's going to be a global name? Some of these names that I mentioned to you are, you know, global names, right? Absolutely. In terms of, in terms of their their exposure. But you and I also know, you know, Japan has this like you know kind of a you know walled garden approach, and there are others like you know actors from the United States that have gone into Japan to market products for a lot of money. So this person now comes in, he's a local, um, he's just won a, a major international tournament, right? Is his appeal going to go uh, you know, beyond Japan? That's a great question. That, you're absolutely right. And I think the Japan factor is strong. Let's let's make yes, no bones about that it. on its own is is super strong. Is yeah right. It's you know number two, number three economy in the world. Okay, you've got you got you got China, you got the U.S., and you've got Japan. And for yeah. a long time, it was it was America and Japan as the two strongest uh, economies in the world. So so it's a very big wealthy economy. You know, 130 million population. Golf already is a sport which is skewed towards higher incomes, right? Right. Rightly right. or wrongly, it's associated with wealth. It's associated with maybe higher incomes. So the spending power of golf fans, you know, is is well established. You know, if you look at the brands surrounding the elite golfers, they're all banks, you know, the private sure. banks, you know. Right. Roger Federer's got Credit Suisse, for example. Okay, he's not a golfer, but, you know, he's in that same same echelon, okay? Right. KPMG, right. you know, Phil Mickelson's got KPMG, you know, emblazered over his hat for like the last decade. So, right. so there's money, right. big money associated, um, you know, with the brands around around golf. So. Let's look at some examples, okay, and kind of figure out where does Matsuyama fit in. Do you remember Lee Na? That if I throw that name out out of you. Do you does that ring a bell? Lee I have Na. heard a name. I have heard a name, which that's it. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you. Lee Na, you know, played played tennis, Chinese athlete. Yep. She was the first Chinese athlete, first East Asian 
athlete to win a major tennis tournament. Okay. okay. She won two slams. She won Roland Garros in 2011, and she won the Australian Open in, in 2014. Okay. And at that time, she became the, maybe the second highest paid female athlete in the world. In the world, right? And this is at a time when Venus and Serena Williams was playing as well. Okay. Now, get this. She quit in 2014. Okay. She's still earning $20 million a year in endorsements from international <laughs> okay. brands. Seven okay. years ago, she quit. But again, she's the only one. So this one. is the longevity of an athlete in Asia is what you're saying. Well, it it's the longevity well of an athlete who managed playing. to achieve something that no one else achieved. On a global stage. On, a global on the global stage. stage. Right. This is yeah. like the first and only factor which still seems to be playing out. Okay? Right. Kei Nishikori. Okay? We yep. know Kei Nishikori. He's a Japanese tennis professional. He's done okay. He got as high as five for... You know, a couple months, a number of years oh, that's ago. That's not nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's not nothing. Five is a pretty, pretty big accomplishment. But yeah. he's hovering around thirty to forty. He's done nothing in the last couple of years. He's not won a slam. He got to one yeah. U.S. Open final where one of the big three killed him. It was either Nadal, Fed, or Djokovic. You know, kind of wiped the floor with right, him, which is right. understandable. They wiped <laughs> the floor with everyone in finals. But Nishikori is earning thirty million dollars a year now. Even now. Because he's got Uniqlo, he's got Nissan, he's got ANA, he's got these big Japanese brands, and they are global brands. They may be Japanese origin, but they're global brands. Okay, right. and 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 even if he does nothing else, you know, he's probably banked 120, 130, 150 million dollars, right? Yep. From yep. these contracts. Now, the big one, of course, is Naomi Osaka. Naomi Osaka, as we can all agree, is a global household brand. Okay? That's right. Yep. Young. Mixed race, half Japanese, half American. She's won four slams. She's easily the number one tennis player in the world. And yep. she is the highest paid female athlete on the planet. She earned $35 million in 2020 in endorsements. We're just talking endorsements right now. Okay. Yep. And you know, she had she had Beats, she had MasterCard, she had Nissan, she had Nike. You know, she subsequently she's added Louis Vuitton tag Hoyer. Yeah. What's interesting about her uh, compared to the to the other two is from a marketer's perspective, she really sort of checks the box in terms of a global star. I mean, yeah. no offense to Nishikori and Na, but you know, at the end of the day, outside of you know Asia and perhaps their countries, uh, not super well known names. Of course, you. I mean, of course, you know them, right? Because yeah. if you follow tennis, you would know them. But Osaka, I think, really kind of carries carries that visually. Carries also because she is. American or half American, whatever you want yep. to call it, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and she has that broad appeal. I mean, really across across continents. Absolutely. Interesting of, of of these three examples that you brought up, um, they're all tennis, and, and not to not to sort of you know downplay what you're saying about what may happen with um, with with you know Matsuyama, but tennis does have a broader appeal also. I and, I wonder, yep. and I and I wonder if the estimate of you know six hundred to a billion dollar estimate that that you know some people are putting on you know Matsuyama, if it can carry. Now you know Japan seems to be an interesting kind of market for that, but but I am curious to see if that's going to carry over, given you know maybe the smaller appeal of the sport compared to tennis. I didn't get a chance to look at the endorsement figures for some of the leading golfers uh, by comparison. So the guys have been around a while, say Phil Mickelson, yeah. for example, yep. Bubba Watson, 
we all know about Tiger Woods. Now, Tiger Woods has earned a billion dollars in you know in in prize money and endorsements, and yep. even if you account for his indiscretions, you know, from four, five, six years ago, where a lot of sponsors dropped off. You know, Nike stuck with him. Nike, you know, Nike sticks with sure. everybody, obviously. So, yeah, yeah. So, so okay, Tiger was unique, but then again, mixed race, half Asian, half African American. You know, took the game by storm in the late '90s and early 2000s. So maybe he was an outlier. But I think one thing to consider is that golf probably lasts at least 10 years longer than tennis on average on the main tour. Okay, so we're talking the European tour, in, in the PGA tour. In terms of the longevity of the, of the players? Correct. So right. Matsuyama's right. 29, okay? He's right. not even reached necessarily the peak of his powers in terms yep. of his golfing ability and his ability to continue winning, okay? So, yep. so he does have time on his side to win even more. And he's not a flash in the pan. That's the other thing. He's already won five times on the PGA tour. He's not, he's not one of these guys who, who had a great four days, you know, kind of fluked it in some ways and no one ever heard from him again. He's yep. He's got some kind of track record behind him. And beyond the PGA Tour, if he wants to continue playing golf, there's the Seniors Tour. These guys end up playing in their late 50s. That's right. Yep. You know, a guy like Bernard Langer, he's cleaning up on the Seniors Tour. He's winning five, six million dollars a year because he's 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 just, he's, he's, he's winning and the endorsements follow. So I think if we look at, at these three examples that we've we've discussed now there seems to be some precedent to suggest that you know he's in this perfect storm now he's he's from Japan there's a lot of money in Japan he's young you know he's in a sport where lots of brands wish to associate with yep. with the sport yep. itself yep. gentleman's game refined game you know all that stuff whether you believe it or not uh, is is another is another matter so listen, if Nishikori, who's not won a slam, is currently documented at earning, you know, thirty million dollars in endorsements, yeah. Matsuyama should be able to match him, yeah, at least if not, yes. yeah. So so good for him, you know. The story isn't necessarily that this guy won the Masters; it's this guy, you know, won the Powerball, you know, probably ten times over. I agree. I agree. Let's yeah. see if he can and back it up with winning more majors in the future. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll be watching him. We'll we be watching will. him. So that's a that's a good one. I've got three. I got three kind of quick stories um, that are that are interesting. Uh, they popped up all in the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm going to start with with tops. You know, okay. tops that makes the uh, you know player cards. This yeah. whole business of NFTs, which we've covered a couple of times on our podcast, has been really interesting. And I think tops is now finally figuring out that they need to kind of play in that space. Also, they need to get uh, in the game. Yeah, they need to get in the game exactly. <laughs> So most recently, you know, uh, there's been a couple of trades. Luka Doncic's um, rookie car just recently sold for just under $5 million. Um, we had um, Tom Brady's card, uh, his rookie card, also selling recently for two-point-something. Right. So there's a, there, there's a renewed interest in this, in this space, and I feel it's being driven uh, based on some of the reports that I've seen by kind of Gen Z, Gen Y cohorts essentially right and michael eisner uh of the of the old you know disney fame the former ceo of disney michael eisner actually yeah. purchased tops uh some years ago yeah and now tops announced that they are going public through a spac um uh, which is interesting because this uh obviously is an is an equity event for them i think if the company wanted to go public through kind of a regular channel it probably couldn't 
But this no way, they're getting some quick money um, to essentially turn themselves, I believe, into a digitized version of uh, memorabilia and cards and and things like that. Um, and I think this is this is where that's that's heading. What what do you think about that? Well, you know, this is why <laughs> I I typically invest in the U.S. only, even though I'm based in the U.K. <laughs> you know, I like to put my money in the U.S. because it's just Innovation. America is all about innovation. It's rapid fire adapting to what's going on yeah. in the market, right? You have young upstart, you know, tech only companies who are now minting multiple millions, maybe close to billions now with NFTs, with the digitized versions right. of, right. of these, you know, old school from the 20s, 30s, you know, playing cards. And Topps is like, okay, okay, hold on. We need to, we need to catch up. We need to get involved. And listen, we only heard about NFTs from a mass market, you know, just two, three months ago. So good for them. I, I think they should be doing it. And I guess the SPAC is the way to go, right? This is a vehicle now which presents everyone with an opportunity to quickly raise capital. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And it's and it's and it's an innovative sort of well, it's not necessarily a new way of doing it, but uh, it's popular. But I, I think guess, no. but but it's popular and it's and it's quick and there's enough attention around it that there are now SPAC special purpose companies around to do this for you. And if you are of uh, the Michael Eisner, you know, renown, you're going to be able to find people that can probably help you get yeah. get that done. Yeah. Uh, but it's an interesting it's an interesting time for collectibles and cards. And I can only imagine that with the NFT space, this is going to um, create some some innovation in the in the future. So that's that's my my first story. Um, my second story goes back to the NCAA. And as I said in our in our intro, uh, you know, let's let's pile on the NCAA while we can. They seem to be making some um, amazing choices here recently. Um, I'll just remind our audience. So um, just in the last few weeks, um, and I didn't know this actually, March Madness is only being used for men's tournament, not for the women's tournament. I'm not really sure what they gain from cutting it off and just using it for men's, but whatever. The other thing that's been happening, um, I don't know if you saw the story in the UK, but certainly here in the US, there was a big uh, you know, brouhaha around uh, the tournament, the, the the final four for men and women, and the facilities that they provided to the men versus versus the women. Women had this little tower of weights, <laughs> whereas the men had this like. I think even I could lift that rack by myself. <laughs> I think I think no. I think so. Yeah. No. So you know there was that. Uh, then for some reason um, somebody reported this, and they've uncovered that you know the NCAA is not doing any drug testing at the final four tournaments for whatever reason this year they decided not to do it and then finally um again in their infinite you know lack of wisdom um the women's the NCA women's volleyball tournament kicks off this week and they decided the first two rounds initially decided we're not going to be broadcast. They're, they were just going to sort of stream the video without any broadcasters, any actually talking to it. Uh, big brouhaha around that. And they sort of pulled back and, uh, you know, decided to actually have some broadcasters, uh, you know, there. What's going on with the NCAA, Anand? Is this, is this crazy town right now? So no drug testing uh march madness is a men's tournament only um and you can watch you know women's volleyball as you would watch a charlie chaplin silent movie 
<laughs> exactly. What? I don't. I don't understand that. So obviously, obviously, the association is focused on other things, and 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 may I presume it's focused on what's going to happen with the Supreme Court. But I mean, these are some obvious misses. I mean, I I don't know who's running this association at this point, and it's just a shame that you know, in this sort of rapid succession over, the, over over a period of like a month, essentially, these things keep coming. Um, and, I, and I hope they turn it around because uh, this is this is not good. So anyway, that was my second, that was my second item, Anand. So I don't know what else there is to say here other than to just shake our heads. Well, listen, I, I can't speak for the drug testing because I don't know anything about that, you know, why they did. I mean, if, if, if it's part of the protocol, and they've done it yeah. every year. What does yeah, that mean? They, I don't they understand. They did this back, back in the nineties. Was there? Did they? Did they provide a reason? Did they provide a reason why no, they didn't do no, it? No, no. There's there is no reason. No, no comment. No official maybe there's, statement. Maybe there's cost associated with it. Maybe they don't want to deal with finding people who are using drugs. I mean, I don't know. Right. Uh, I, I I don't understand it. But you know, they're they're not doing it. So well, as wrong as it is, the other three things just come down to money, right? Women's sports don't generate the viewership uh, that men's sports does. And let me be very clear, I'm not endorsing any of those decisions. I think they're all wrong. But can we think of another reason why they haven't prioritized what the needs of the women are in the same ways they have the men? I can't think of any other reason. Look, I mean, I think I think there is certainly a you know perception. I think there's a there's a myth that you know women's sports don't you know generate as much attention. I mean, I think that's a story for you know another another show entirely. We should make a show about that. Yeah, I think it just points to the to the fact, unfortunately, that um, you know it's an organization focused on men's sports, unfortunately, and you know whether run by old men, right? Probably run, run by mainly it. men, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I, I, look, I hope to turn it around. I hope uh, you know there's there's lots there's lots of room for 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 improvement, and um, hopefully they will they will take some action on 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 that. Okay. My last and final story takes us to analytics, soccer or football. Uh, this is premier football, right? Um, um, so Man City uh, just extended a contract for Kevin De Bruyne uh, for roughly hundred million dollars. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there's been some reporting out there that one of the reasons that De Bruyne was able to get such a bump in his, I guess, like a thirty percent bump over his last salary or whatever, right, was that he used some analytics to show to the team or evidence to the team that he is valuable to them, right? And uh, some of the reporting that I've seen around this was, here's a way that, that you know, the, the world of, you know, negotiating sports contracts is going to go from now on. Anand, have you heard about this? Thoughts? Oh, we know that uh, teams, this is the first thing they do. This is the first sort of screen, screener, right? When, when uh, potential new transfer targets, you know, new players coming potential players coming into the team are presented you know t- to them they use analytics they look at the numbers to see whether they even want to get past the first stage so we know that we know that teams use analytics and then obviously perhaps even more refined uh, analytics as as they narrow down the selection this seems to be the first well-known famous public individual who's kind of turned the tables a little bit and said, "Hey, team, you yeah, paid me yeah. X, right? Yeah, 
But if you look at my numbers, actually, I'm worth why. And here are the figures to, to prove it. Yeah. I think my sense, Anand, and you're, you're absolutely right. I think teams are very, very much, uh, you know, using data in every aspect of their of their business. My sense is that on the other side, the teams and the owners have been using data for, for a long period of time. And they'd be using it to, you know, negotiate down probably, um, you know, quite yeah. a bit. You and I have talked to a number of, you know, analytics firms. We've even talked to somebody at the Indiana Pacers. Uh, one of the questions that we've often asked them to which we don't get a clear answer is, you know, who owns the data, right? So all of this information that they're collecting also, you know, rank orders effectively players against one another because you can look at data and now you can say based on those numbers, whether somebody's more worth to you or less worth to you. And I think that this has been going on for quite a bit. And even though this one particular report seemed to kind of put a positive sort of light on how this is going to help athletes, I think in some cases it's going to go the other way and also not help them because they probably could have negotiated more if they didn't use certain data, <laughs> right? If they yeah. were... Uh, you know, uh, negotiating based on some other metrics or emotions or, you know, whenever. But but I think that the, the days of those kinds of negotiations are probably gone. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see um, specific numbers and data even inserted into contracts where they will tie certain guarantees to certain metrics, right? That, well, I think that's uh, been done already. There's the yeah, bonuses yeah, for has. goals, yeah, it, bonuses well, for appearances. Right, right. But, that, but it's been of sort thing. of on how many goals you make or you do if we make the playoffs or not make not, right? Yeah. But I yeah. wonder if they're going to now go even deeper and more sort of granular to the point of, hey, your whatever, whatever index needs to get to this level for us right. to sort of pay this item out or something like that, right? And and I'm just sort of curious, you know, I I, I am 100 percent sure that those kinds of things are going to start en entering into these uh, these conversations. So. Yeah, I can see it in a pace like baseball, maybe right. Um, those those sports where you can really you can really identify certain characteristics of of uh, your performance. Uh, soccer, you know, uh, I, I said nothing. Nothing is impossible, right? It's it's everything is conceivable. Yeah, I think on on some of the individual stats, it's it's easier because you can you can point to to these things. Team sports are going to be you know you know a little bit harder, but you know we 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 talked you know a couple of weeks ago with our with our you know friends in Indiana who who do this for 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 a living, and you know they are helping team sports measure the value of you know players yes. right they're yeah. they're valuing you know how certain plays are done and executed who is valuable in a certain position in in that play and just by virtue of 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 all that information you now basically can say hey i have a team uh you know these guys are maybe not better than you physically but look yeah. they perform better as a team versus when i put you in this position right and so I don't think those kinds of discussions, are, I think, are going to be very, very real. And again, uh, the ownership of this data is going to also come into play, I think, which will be interesting to follow how all that um, plays out. Well, De Bruyne is a great player, and uh, I'm not surprised he's taken a big bump up in his in his paycheck. Whether he he, he kind of told them, you know, the angle of the angle of my of my passes into the box, you know, are 46.3 degrees, which is the <laughs> right. exact angle that it needs to be. <laughs> For Sergio Aguero to put the ball in the net, um, but uh, he's probably worth worth every penny to to Man City. They've had a great season as a Liverpool supporter. I hate to say it, but they've run away with the league, 
and uh, and you know De Bruyne has been a, a, an integral part of that. So, so yeah, good for him. Good for him. Yeah, no, excellent, excellent. So that's that's my wrap. Anand, anything else? That is a wrap. De Bruyne is making another hundred million. Matsuyama is making another six hundred million. So. Uh, good for them, I think, is what uh, is what I have to say today. Yeah, exactly. And knowing that we can't monetize uh, quite as quite as quite as well as those players can, we do hope that a number of you will pass uh, this show on to some of your friends. And thank you again for listening. Follow our show in any app where you get your podcast. Tell your friends and family about us. And if you'd like to get in touch, please connect with us. Our contact information is in the show notes. Anand, good game. Excellent game, Vlad. We'll see you soon. Cheers. Cheers.